Welcome to this second bonus episode of the Infinite Film Club, where George and I will be chatting through our individual top five Quentin Tarantino films following our episode this week, which was the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode, where we chatted for absolutely ages about the most recent Quentin Tarantino film. We're now going to be chatting more Quentin Tarantino and counting down from five to one our favourite films. We're not listening to them all because we will be here for hours, but we've both gone away, decided on them, and we're going to chat through it individually and tell you our top five. How's it going, George? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you doing, Dan? You good, mate? Very well, thanks, mate. We're Excellent. here for our bonus episode. Yeah, our, exciting stuff. Our bonus episode last time went quite well, so I thought, let's, yeah. you know, let's let's do it again. And it was a lot of fun. You suggested doing a a, a top five uh, Quentin Tarantino films, so here yeah. we are. What I like about this is I, I just I just think it's so interesting, to like here, you know your opinion what you would say you know is his best but then also it's interesting just to talk with your mates or talk to people outside saying you know oh you know what what's your favorite what's your worst what do you like oh you'd put that at number three how could you you know what i mean i love that chat so yeah i like doing these they're good good uh, i think we should do what you suggested last time as well is while we're doing our top five we'll mention as to say if you say a particular film let's use a random one say you say Scarface got nothing to do with what we're talking about today and I say well that's on my list so we'll wait to talk about it once I've said it if it's not on my list we'll talk about it straight away uh, because there's more than five Quentin Tarantino films we're just going to be have to, have to be open as to whether it's going to be in our top five yeah if it's not we'll talk about it straight away if it is we'll wait until the other person mentions it yeah I think that's a good way of doing it and it means we can get around to you know all of them and you know a good discussion on each one if that doesn't make sense to you at home shut up about it <laughs> Just, it'll make just, sense just listen yeah all right, just, and then even if you don't understand anything we'll just recap really quickly yeah. at the end our top five just quit whining <laughs> well, yeah. complain about it in a five star review or something that's, <laughs> yeah that's, that's it. about it yeah five's the worst yeah, yeah. 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 so do you want to kick us off Dan? what would your number five quentin tarantino movie be what would you put at number five now i bet this would be hard because it means you this is the one that got in and another sort of four movies had to miss out. So we mentioned in our episode that I had three films that were fighting for for number five spot in this Mm. and I kept changing my mind. But it surprises me quite a bit to say that my number five is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Can I help you? Oh, I know you. I know all three of you. Yeah, Spawn Ranch. Spawn Ranch, yeah. Woo! I don't know your name, but I remember that hair. And you, I remember your white little face. And you were on a horsey. Wow, it got into your top five. Amazing. It, it did. It doesn't appear in my top five. I didn't so, think it would. I didn't think no, it would. I'll tell you what, right? I wrote down them all. So I did all of Quentin Tarantino's movies in order. And I'll tell you what, it's my number six. Oh, wow. Um, and and actually, this this movie was very close to being my five. And then it just slipped out, you know, yeah. so it was close. So, I mean, you know, tell us why you just you put it as your five. Yeah, well, before I watched it again for our last episode, it, I wouldn't even consider it one of my top fives. I won't mention which films were vying for it because it would kind of spoil a bit of uh, uh, jeopardy later on down the down the list yeah but it just like 
when I rewatched it, I just enjoyed it so much more this time around with all the being engrossed in that time period. I won't repeat our review that was on our last episode, but it just took it just blew me away how much I enjoyed it this time around. And it just it just jumped up the list. I've watched quite quite a lot of Quentin Tarantino films the last year, revisited ones I haven't seen in a very long time. And that that bumped a few up the list and it bumped a few down the list, but this replaced some films that I absolutely have loved for many, many years. Wow. So yeah, I was surprised I surprised myself but put on here. I just I just think it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful film. Too long. But it's hard to, to make a top five list of Quentin Tarantino films <laughs> without putting films on there that are too long. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as we said, it might be long, we love the world. So why wouldn't you want to spend more time there yes. with these people? So I can see why you put it in your five, mate. And I'm sort of thinking, hmm, maybe I should have put it in my I top. wouldn't have, at the time, <laughs> I wouldn't have even put this film in my top five films of 2019. But it's, yeah, second viewing is, it's the, I think it's the most I've seen an improvement of a film in a second watching wow. ever, I think. Because usually I, I kind of stick to my guns and on what I thought the first time I watched it. But this yeah. time, I'd, it really went up in my estimations and just shows like going in with expectations can yeah can kind of can affect your uh, eventual kind of feeling about the film and definitely it, and this second time without any expectations or or lower expectations i i come away um, really really loving it so, yeah, yeah and like you know that's a good lesson for anyone always worth rewatching something you know even if you you know you didn't like it too much the first time because you know you might get like that a, a really nice surprise actually i've just thought of one film that i changed my mind on go for it what was it a biggie yeah, this is going to, it might shock you. A big U-turn. Yeah, so a long time ago, my friends were trying to persuade me to watch a film. What, what Actually, a friend was trying to persuade me <laughs> to watch a film. And I watched it and I was like, I don't get I don't get what the excitement is about. And it was Anchorman. <gasps> Mate, I was literally, after you said this, I was going to say, I'm going to say my exactly the same. <laughs> I did not get it. And then, like afterwards, mentioned a couple of quotes. Yeah, that was quite funny, that bit. And then watched it again. And again, and again, and again. And it's just one yeah. of those where once you get the... Because it's so random, I think I was trying to fit it in a box. Yeah. Uh, we're not straying off course here already. Uh, I was trying to fit it into a box of, you know, a narrative and it didn't fit into it. So I was like, well, that's just so weird. It feels like someone's just put all their thoughts down. But just, again, it's one of those that just jump into it and enjoy it. And now it's one of my favourite comedies of all time. Mate, I had exactly the same experience <laughs> with that. And yeah, I, I, I just said to someone before, oh, I don't like Anchorman. What? You don't like Anchorman? And like yeah. loads of people were saying this to me, you know, and I thought I have to give it another go if that many people were saying it it was only a week that I thought it was rubbish and I watched it again <laughs> right. for me it's quite a while really? right? I mean I watched it and then sort of six months later maybe a year I, I was saying oh nah it's not for me really but yeah. you know again I eventually you know caved to pressure and I'm glad I did My, one and one that sticks out for me big U-turn is I didn't like The Departed the first time I saw it oh wow and, really and I've seen it since and I think it's such a good film yeah. and I think what it is because it's um, a reasonably comfortable complicated movie you have to understand the first half an hour or it won't work yeah. and I think what happened is I'd sort of just you know breezed over the first half an hour tried to watch it wasn't really getting it and you know it's a shame because what a film that is yeah, so amazing amazing so what's your top five mate my number five then so it snuck in then it's Kill Bill Volume 2 you and I have unfinished business baby you ain't kidding Oh. 
M.A. taught you the five-point palm exploding art technique. Of course he did. That is not on my list. Oh, it's not on your list. Right. So, Kill Bill Volume 2 um, is a movie I really, really like. It's a second part to, you know, The Bride's Journey for Revenge. Basically, it's just got some amazing, like, scenes and some great set pieces and things. Ones that stick out of my head really well is the is the scene when she's buried in a box and the only thing she can move really is her fist and she can move it about a centimetre and she's got to punch through the, the wooden box to break out and get through the soil. And the sense of claustrophobia um, in that scene is just, you know, it, you know, it gets my heart racing and I think oh my god like it's quite scary you know also there's there's a great like sword fight in a, in a caravan and she she basically cuts a woman's eye out and stamps on it and it squelches you know and I love the, the Uma Thurman character the bride uh, I think she's awesome and uh, basically you know th- this is the, the conclusion of her sort of getting revenge another thing that really stands out in this movie is it's such an interesting way for the, the main baddie to spoiler alert you know to die in the end she does kill Bill and she kills him with a uh, it's a not really move. a spoiler it's the title of the film mate that's it <laughs> if anyone was like kicking off about that that'd be so funny come out of the cinema going i can't believe they ruined it for me basically she she kills him with a sort of a, a punch to the heart where she sort of hits five points on his heart you know very quickly yeah. and I, I just think it's ridiculous but it's very cool yeah you know so basically for some of the coolness and some of the you know the awesome fights and the, i just love her quest for revenge that is my number nice Five. I do have to say at this point there's not a Quentin Tarantino film that I hate there's not a Quentin Tarantino film I dislike particularly actually yes there is there's one hmm. uh, I think I might know the we'll, we'll one. talk about that yeah. when we've done our top five but yeah and I will tell you after we've done our top five why I didn't put Kill Bill volume two in my top five but hmm. yeah not in mine but I agree with everything you said excellent so that's five so for five once upon a time for you Dan and Kill Bill volume two so should I go with uh, my number four? Go and for you it. Go for your number four. So my number four is Kill Bill Volume One. <laughs> okay. So does you, that appear in your list? It does. It does. Amazing. And so we'll chat about that. We'll chat about that in a yeah. bit. So what's your number four, Dan? What have you got? My number four is Inglorious Bastards. This does appear on my list. Okay. Yep. So we'll chat about that All when right. we get to it. So do you want to do your number? Yeah, my number three is Kill Bill Volume 1. Amazing. So, good time to talk about it. Yeah. What a fucking amazing film that is. So good. Yeah, it is amazing. It's yeah, a period of my life where I needed some Tarantino, some more Tarantino. I was so excited for this film. It was unbelievable. And went hearing that it was coming in two volumes. Oh, this is going to be an epic. He's doing a martial arts film. Uma Thurman's fucking kick ass in it, ignoring the foot porn and the paralysis and all that. <laughs> the soundtrack I just had blaring all the time. It was so good. I was, I was in sixth form at the time and I was just it's so influential for me and I haven't seen it in quite a long time actually it's one of the ones I haven't seen recently uh, so I'd like to go back in it but the fight scenes are just visceral and over the top and heightened and it's just great it's yeah. really good and what's cool it's cool to see a woman like just kick ass do you yeah. know what I mean and she's not just fighting other women she's fighting like men as well in fact she's fighting about 500 men in that yeah. last scene you know it's so cool um, also the main adversary in the first film is a woman as well Lucy Liu so that's cool to see them sort of get it on and that whole bit where she goes to Japan and she takes on firstly that girl with the schoolgirl outfit with the swinging uh 
I don't know, it's called a mace or I don't know what it's yeah, called. Basically a, a mace, spiky yeah. ball thing. That is one of the best fight scenes I think like you'll ever see. Do you know I mean the way that chain is flipping around the shot and it's it's smashing through wood and it's like you know what I mean? It's just so in your face. It's just and like that you know, harking back to Bruce Lee, that yellow like jumpsuit, yeah. and it's just fucking cool as hell. And yeah, I'm glad you that's in the top five. That's I, such I would say the bride is arguably the most iconic Tarantino character. Yeah, she's definitely out there. I yeah, mean, I, I mean that look of her just in that yeah, jumpsuit, just amazing. And yeah, well structured. And I will say now the reason number two, part two or volume two isn't in my top five is. I do think Kill Bill Volume 1 is superior and I found Volume 2 a slight disappointment. I did like it, but it's a slight disappointment. It's it's not as good, I agree. Do you know what I mean? And one thing that is interesting is that he actually stitched these two films together before. Well, he obviously this is... It's it sort of should be one movie, shouldn't it? Really, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, obviously it's split. He has actually put them together before. He's changed a couple of scenes to make it fit better as one movie, and he played it at the Cannes Film Festival. Apparently, yeah. everyone was loving it, saying it's so good, and it was kind of come out on DVD or Blu-ray, whatever. And it never has, and it, you know, and it hasn't so far. And I would love to watch that back to back in one big old sitting because I think as a one movie what uh, there edit. needs to be a release the Snyder Cut type uh, campaign for yes. re- release the Kill Bill one volume cut definitely that would be so cool you know that would be awesome also one other little thing I love about Kill Bill volume one is um, those uh, small like anime scenes where there's just yeah. some really cool action there's a bit where you know the girl's hiding under the bed or the you know and the, 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 the samurai sword goes flying through the man on the bed and the blood yeah. comes out it's just really cool yeah amazing film mate yeah, incredible. Absolutely love it. So that is your number three. Three. Okay, so what my is number, number three, three is Inglorious Bastards. Hey. Yeah. If a rat were to walk in here right now as I'm talking, would you greet it with a source of your delicious milk? Probably not. I didn't think so. You don't like them. You don't really know why you don't like them. All you know is you find them repulsive. Consequently, a German soldier conducts a search of a house suspected of hiding Jews. Where does the hawk look? He looks in the barn, he looks in the attic, he looks in a cellar, he looks everywhere he would hide. But there's so many places it wouldn't have occurred to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führers brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me because I'm aware of what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. This is just a, such a cracking film. So like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tarantino does the the, the change in history. Um, revisionist yeah. history, yeah. And it's just so amazing. Like, I love the way Hitler dies in this movie, you know, in a cinema, you know, full of Nazis. Christopher Waltz in this film, and, you know, he, like, absolutely steals the show. But the other um, person acting this film, I fucking love is the the blonde french girl her name forget i forget her name i don't know what else this girl was in but she's awesome in it you know the one who sets fire to the to the yeah. to the, the cinema she's so good in this film and you know the whole time the whole film she's harboring that resentment that you know this christopher waltz and his nazis killed her family and she's just looking for revenge oh, i just love this movie you're right though christopher waltz steals the show he's he's so yeah. good but i also like those those fast bender moments in the the basement bar that is so uh, good speaking german just a slight 
slight mistake. Yeah, and there's a way you say free in German with your hands, with yeah. your fingers, isn't there? You yeah. use certain, I don't know. Oh, it's, it's so good. Really well written. Yeah. Uh, it's the, a complete wish fulfillment about, you know, Nazi killing and Jew bear. And, you, and, and you've got Brad Pitt being like unbelievably funny in this yeah. film, haven't you? Do you know what I mean? He's that like, like pumped up army captain, yeah. isn't he? Oh, uh, this is, yeah. I think this is the start of me absolutely loving Brad Pitt. I love some of his 90s films, you know, Seven and Fight Club <laughs> and all that, really good. But I started to see old Brad Pitt being a bit knowing and, and you know, showing, yeah. so, showing proper chops. And this is this is one of them. Not quite as like precious and yeah. more like he was willing to sort of like go with it and it's better for it. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. I think Tarantino gets the best out of Brad Pitt, which is why I think uh, Cliff in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is one of my favorite characters. Yeah, absolutely. And Really cool scene I love in Inglorious Bastards is the 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 scene at the very start where Christopher Waltz goes to that that milk farmer's house and they're hiding oh, under the floorboards and like that. I mean it's fifteen minutes long but it's just like so it's tense really really tense that's yeah. the that's the scene I think of that and the bar scene just two really tense moments just dragged out but just ex- just really 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 good yeah. yeah love it yeah oh I'm glad that's in your top five mate I want to go and watch it now yeah. literally mate uh, talking about it I'm like oh I could just smash that tonight you Me know too, yeah. if I didn't have work. <laughs> so shall I do my number two then go for it so we're getting into the, the big territory now number top two so my number two is Pulp Fiction can I just say my yeah. number two and one as interchangeable as my five six and seven yeah. so again I kept going back and forth for, for two and one but my number two is Pulp Fiction you read the Bible Greg yes well there's this passage I got memorized it sort of fits this occasion Ezekiel 25, 17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. Hey, so we got it. I agree. It's very, very difficult to put that as number two because it is yeah. amazing. But social number two, it is, yeah. And it just it's a it's a classic Tarantino film. It was him off the back of a really successful debut, proper debut film, just going at it, and and it's just so complicated and intertwined. But it's you can follow it. It's not too complicated. It's not you you get the flow of it. But it takes a while to kind of get in sync. But it's, it made a star again of people like John Travolta, who was just at the time in the shittest movies, and it made him cool, annoyingly, because uh, then he was in a load of more shit movies. <laughs> but they had him dancing didn't they, in the first like twenty five minutes, like yeah. you know what I mean, up on stage, like giving it his all. Uma Thurman's amazing in it. Oh, Vince Vega, Samuel Jackson's incredible. It, it, just that conversational stuff in the car, Royale with cheese. The Ezekiel, yeah, the Ezekiel's uh, the quote, Mm. the you know, Bible verse, and yeah, yeah, it's it's so good. This is one of the first movies where being younger, like I I needed like lots of action in films, you know, like you do when you're a kid. And this is the like, I mean, there's not a lot of action in Pulp Fiction, there's a couple of there's a car crash and there's a a stabbing and that, but this is the first film where I watched it and I was literally hooked. 
where it was mostly talking. Yeah. You know, do you remember when you were a kid? And you're like, oh, this film's just talking. It's just talking, you know. But then something clicks when you're a little bit older. This is one of the first films that I watched. Realized it was mainly just talking, but still absolutely loved it. Yeah. You know, and I knew there's something special about it then. And even now, just the, the way these these characters like talk and their backstories and their their motivations and that, I just think it's so good. And this guy Quentin Tarantino can write like an unbelievable character. It's incredible, isn't it? It is amazing. Like, how does he come up with like such interesting people? And then he gets one interesting person, sits them next to another interesting person, and lets them like chat. And like, like it's like Mia Wallace and Vincent Vega, you know, having dinner, chatting. You've got Bruce Willis talking to that like Spanish taxi driver woman, and again, it's only like a five minute chat, but it's just really interesting. She says, "Oh, what's it like to kill a man as a boxer?" And it, you know, it's just really interesting. And what I fucking love as well is I really, really like that whole the the first scene and the last scene are the same. And you know, you've got to go back and go, "Wait, that was the end." No, no, no. Actually, that's the end of the film. That's the very end chronologically. Yeah. That happened there. That's why they're dressed in those clothes because. They went there and they got those clothes destroyed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and another quality bit. How good is that bit where John Travolta accidentally shoots that guy in the face? <laughs> and the thing that is like, I can't think of a better shock. You know, death in a film. That is just it comes out of nowhere. You know, yeah. it turns around. What did you think? Oh my god! <laughs> also, the bit where so, the kind of it, it's graphic, but the kind of the rape scene in the basement of that oh, uh, that store, and Bruce Willis is walking out, leaving him there, and then he thinks, "Do you know what? I can't let I can't yeah. let my worst enemy die like that," and goes down, and that whole thing is amazing. The way he's picking the weapon, that is yeah. so cool. Yeah, really good, and yeah, it's it's great. And I, I said I mentioned to you last week after our episode that this is all part. This was originally part of the same story of both True Romance and Natural Born Killers. Yeah, this is interesting. This but is good. They were all wrapped up under the same kind of story and script that was just this massive beast that ended up being split into three different films that Tarantino kind of had his hand in and took Pulp Fiction and ran with it. There's a bit of contention as to who wrote certain scenes of Pulp Fiction because they're originally in the the, 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 the treatments for True Romance and, and Natural Born Killers. But if you think of all them as part of a piece and there's character crossovers that were originally the same characters from True Romance and actually Natural Born Killers was a film within True Romance that the main character of True Romance, Christian Slater, was writing. Oh, gotcha. So, so it all sort of connected and yeah. one sort of film verse. and yeah. So we got two good films out of that script and one terrible one. So Yeah. Oh, well, you know, sort of like it's not a bad return, I suppose. Two yeah. amazing ones, yeah. you know, one, yeah, one I didn't like. But yeah, what a film. It is amazing. And it definitely could have been my, my number one. So we come to number one time. What is your number one? So my number one, my favourite Quentin Tarantino film is Reservoir Dogs. Oh, really? Okay. And didn't make my top five. It didn't make your top five. It did. It's number one. Oh, happy days. I, you I got what? you back. You did that to me last time. <laughs> that was the Partridge family's Doesn't Somebody Want to Be Wanted, followed by Edison Lighthouse's Love Grows Where My Rosemary Goes, as Kay Billy's Super Sounds of the 70s Weekend Just Keeps On Trucking. I actually had a feeling that you might have like a special place in your heart for Django, right? And I, I don't yeah. have like, I, I think that film's okay, but I have a lot of love. Yeah, for I it. like it. And I, I was, I'm looking at my list as I'm saying my top. As I, sorry, as I got to my number two, and I'm thinking, I wonder if Dan has gone with because, to be honest, I can't see you putting anything else other than Django. Maybe do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I thought, I wonder if Dan will put Reservoir Dogs as number one. Anyway, you did. Yeah. Amazing. So that is cool. We got the, the same, like, number one. The reason I would put this as number one is that this film is the, like, it's, I just think, what a clever idea, first off. 
to have a bank robbery movie where you know we don't see the bank robbery at all you know it's actually it's not really a bank robbery movie it's because, a fucked up bank robbery movie. Yeah, yeah it's the, the the main part of the film is about people you know back in the warehouse trying to decide why this whole thing you know got so fucked up and uh, you know that is 90% of the film it's just you know one character talking to him talking to another and another one comes in and he has his two cents you know and then someone else comes in and talks to him. and the whole time you've got this guy dying on the side you know bleeding out who turns out to be you know an undercover cop and I just think that it's really sweet the way that Harvey Cattell you know like doesn't believe that he's you know the, the, the baddie and there's just so much to absolutely love about this yeah. film I remember the, the first I heard of this film was a poster in my mate's brother's bedroom and we i was like what's that that looks cool it's that famous you know white poster with a red splash of blood and the yeah. reservoir dog sign and two guys kind of pointing guns at each other yeah and i was like what is that that just looks fucking cool and um he said what you haven't seen it and then we watched it straight there and then this is the film i attribute and- my interest in the art of film so originally, I loved films when I was younger. I've always loved films. But the thing that made me think I'm interested in the craft of film and script writing and things like that, it's the first script I ever read as well. It's Reservoir Dogs. Oh, wow, Dogs. so you read, like, actually, word for word, what they said. Like, yeah. yeah. The reason being, looking at this film, you could, if you wanted to, make a film in, in a similar ilk with hardly any budget, mm. with just a camera and some actors, and make this. And the thing that makes this film great isn't the action and the, the effects and all this that I was interested in when I was younger. It's the script writing. It's a clever story, a tense story, and that's what got me really interested. How do you build this suspense? How do you build the tension? How do you mask the fact that this, who's who, who's the who's the snitch, who's the rat, the fact they all have code names, and it heist, like you say, they do the whole the heist movie, but without the heist, it's not about the heist, it's how fucked up the heist yeah. got, and who Even in the flashbacks, we don't see the heist. We just see yeah. running away. We don't need to see it. Yeah. You know, because it's all about the, the aftermath, you know. And like you said, the script is amazing. You've got also some amazing actors, like proper on point, playing these characters. And they're all, they all play a real, a real like, defined character, don't they? Like Michael Madison, Mr. Blonde, he's like the, the nutter. And like, he just comes in sucking on like a McDonald's like uh, drink. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's, so he's scary, isn't yeah. he? He's scary. You know, they say like, why did you kill everyone? He's like, I told him not to press the alarms. They yeah. did. You know, he's casual. And, that. and then you've got Mr. Pink, who's the like wiry, like, you know, spindly thief guy, you know, who he's just crazy, stupid semi. And then yeah, Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel, like just Tim calm Roth. and cool. Yeah. Oh. It, the list goes on, you know. And yeah, it, just seeing them all get it on, you know, sort of accusing each other and, you know, twisting and turning in, in a warehouse in really cool suits is just like... It's great. It's so good. It's great. Um, I love that film and so that, much. And that whole diner scene at the start where they're chatting about... Amazing. Yeah, yeah just chatting shit. Doesn't, doesn't tip. That's what just got me. It was like, this, this chat has nothing to do with the plot. Why am I listening to this? Yeah. And then you just realise it's all about setting the scene for who these people are and... They all talk like Quentin Tarantino. Like most of Quentin Tarantino <laughs> characters, they all talk like Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Fast-paced, referencing movies, referencing like pop trivia and stuff like that, and, yeah. and just going through. And it is the blueprint for a lot of what's come after, whether that's from Tarantino or from other people trying to do... Not a lot of people can manage Quentin Tarantino-style um, dialogue. A lot of people try. But this, you can see how this is kind of bled into a lot of films out there at the moment but it's just so it's it's a perfect film for me like it's also it's quite concise for his sort of i mean mean, i'm pretty sure the runtime of this is under two hours yeah and it feels like perfectly formed doesn't it you know this film doesn't need anything else and everything in it was like needed there do you know what i mean it feels like like you said absolutely perfect i would say like you know this is 
overview perfect one thing we did mention and i'll tell you what it's not the first thing i think of when i think of reservoir dogs but i think a lot of people do is the ear cutting scene yeah because it sounds mental but i think like because i think you're the same as me we're pretty desensitized by the time we're like 8 10 <laughs> yeah. 12 do you know what i mean right it didn't really shock me that much. Whereas we didn't a lot see of people, anything. Like, no. But a lot of people, they talk about Reservoir Dogs. Like, yeah. oh my God, it was the most violent thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, it's not that bad. One, you don't see it, you're correct. Yeah. And two, like, I mean, compared to today's sort of stuff, it's, it's tame. But anyway, it didn't shock me. But that's another reason. I it, it, it's, it's another a great example of what got me interested in the fact of the craft of film rather than just, you know, watching it on a surface level is people were shocked by that but but why it's just because it was well directed it, it, he was setting you up for this horrible like guy this guy who was acting all happy and he was dancing so he was feeling so chilled out but he was also <laughs> torturing somebody and this guy was just covered in blood and you don't see much but he saws his ear off and really graphic and there's a bit when he gets the ear he, he goes hello can you hear me or something yeah. like, he like talks to, oh yeah. mate with the cut off ear but right. it changed that song this relatively happy go lucky yeah. song turns into this dark kind of torture torture theme what a debut film oh I mean, amazing incredible. and what it's like a, a fairy, fairy tale, tale. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that is mental but yeah isn't it like I mean I think this like myth has probably been like you know added to and stuff so I don't know it's all absolutely how it was but this geek guy loving movies working in a video shop watching everything under the sun every night of the week you know what I mean and from watching movies he learns how to direct a great movie like that is just a cool well and, and the way he know. made the money for this is he sold scripts for like things like True, True for, Romance and stuff like yeah. that did uh, uh, script treat treatments and he said well I don't want to direct them I want to direct this Reservoir Dogs and that's how it is how it's done and then he kind of from there a massive low budget success is obviously studios are like hello Weinstein's unfortunately but oh, yeah. studios are like hello like low, you can make a low budget movie and make a cultural zeitgeisty film about it <laughs> and and uh, let's have more of that please and then Pulp Fiction again got to be relatively low budget not uh, not no massive action scenes and things like that big actors but actors who weren't particularly at their their pomp at the time yeah and then he just from there just keeps going and keeps knocking out the park and what I will mention is before we wrap up is uh, I didn't manage to get some films that I do actually have a really big soft spot for, for years Jackie Brown was one of my favourite Tarantino films yeah so I watched this recently and that's because I watched it probably 10 years ago and I didn't really like it yeah. so I thought oh I'll give it another go I still don't like it no do uh, not. it just it doesn't work for me I don't know I just I just I just really didn't like it I did no. It's one of the least Tarantino films, I think. It's based. I know it's based on a book, so yeah. he didn't write it. You know, so that's odd for him. You know, I just really like. I really like her. I really like. She's awesome. De Niro's really like characters cool in it. De Niro's really cool in it. But yeah, I just, I just, I really liked that world. So that nearly, that nearly snuck in. Yeah, nearly snuck in. But but over the years, I've kind of you know refound the yeah. love because for a while Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction were easy films to say oh they're my favourite films type thing and everyone was saying it and I always thought why don't people love Jackie Brown I love Jackie Brown but looking at them side by side yeah it's obvious Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction are, are great yeah I can't wait to see what he does next oh yeah absolutely you know it, it could be anything I mean there's been talk of Star Trek there's been talk of James Bond there's mate I don't know. I do hope it's a complete departure from everything, you know, because um, I, I sort of like the idea that he's going through genres and, you know, flipping them on their head and he's doing he's doing a cracking job. I hope he um, does Cliff Booth the movie. 
Mate, that would be awesome. That would be That's really, really cool. Next. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure whatever it is, mate, we'll be buzzed to see it. We'll watch it. And hopefully he has as much freedom as he has in all his other movies because, you know, on the whole, this guy hits a nail on the head every time. Agree. Well, good chat, mate. Really yeah, enjoyed that. Good. And everyone at home, tell us why we're wrong about anything. Tell us where you think we were right. Yeah. Uh, what are your top fives? Send them over. How, how do they do that, George? Yeah, easy peasy. All they've got to do is email infinitefilmclub at gmail.com. So email us, like I say, whatever thoughts you have. And like I say, if you've enjoyed this podcast, actually, even if you haven't, just give it a five-star rating, click subscribe, leave a review, like all these little things, like, you know, go into making this reach maybe more people and stuff. And that's what we want to do. So yeah, if, if you liked it, you know, let us know. Good stuff. All right, mate. Well, we'll do these more in the yeah, future. Um, enjoy them, mate. They're so good. Once we come across reasons to do a bonus episode, yeah. we'll do so semi-regularly. The Star Wars one. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you haven't already, go back and uh, listen to our back catalogue and uh, go listen to the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode that we released this week. Yeah. Next episode is going to be a Halloween spooktacular. Ooh, I'm already scared. Yeah. Uh, which, what are we watching, George? I'm <laughs> uh, watching Death Note, which is on Netflix. Great stuff. So we're going to watch that and uh, tell you what we think. You do so uh, ahead of us and uh, kind of uh, get ready to kind of discuss it with us at the time. So you'll be seeing that next week. Otherwise, all to say is uh, thank you, mate. Been great discussing this with you. Excellent. Enjoyed it, Dan. Thanks, mate. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing our top five shit films or something or whatever we do next. Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. Whatever it is, I'm sure we'll be banging. (laughs) Nice, mate. Cool. See you later, mate. Bye. Bye.